I'll go ahead and read the uh, scripture for today. All right, let me just uh, plug my computer in. Our scripture is found, um, it's from uh, Genesis chapter 15, verses 17 and 18. It's actually part of a larger um, passage of scripture, which covers all the way from the beginning of this chapter all the way to the end of the chapter. Um, But we're going to focus on just these two uh, right now. When the sun had come down, gone down, and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire, fire pot, and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. Let's bow our heads just one last time before we have the sermon. Father God, we are here as your people. We're waiting for your spirit to come and be with us and speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. The, um, where's my remote? Yeah, okay. The longing for a land where we can live in peace and in harmony and prosperity, tranquility, is something that is universal. It's a universal human desire. Um, and our love for our own land is such that we are willing in, in many ways to make certain sacrifices uh, in order to achieve this peace and this ideal. Nowhere do we uh, find this longing for um, peace and tranquility in one's own land expressed better than in the, often in the anthems of the nations of the world. And... Um, our own nation included with our own national anthem. There's a lot we can learn about a nation's history and a nation's character and a nation's uh, um, aspirations and longings and desires just by studying their anthem, their national anthems. And every nation of the world has its own. Our beautiful national anthem expresses our deep desire, for example, as a people to live in a land where we can be free to make decisions for ourselves in our lives, and to live in peace and harmony and even in prosperity. As I said, we can learn a lot about a nation's history and character and aspirations by studying their their anthems. And uh, these days, because of what's been going on over there in Europe, I've been actually studying up on uh, one uh, national anthem, and this is the national anthem of Ukraine. Um, I've taken to memorize, I like memorizing certain things that I, you know, feel attached to or um, that I'm interested in. And so I've, I've started to, uh, to memorize uh, the, the, national, uh, um, the national anthem of that country, the country of Ukraine. Um, as along with many of you, I'm sure you've been gripped, we've all been gripped by the horrific scenes, uh, the, the events um, that, that, that are happening uh, there, over there, fast folding events that are happening in that part of the world, the indiscriminate killing of civilians and the systematic destruction, it seems, it seems like, of, of the countries, that country's infrastructure, of its culture and of its life. And to see that type of 
tyranny and, and plain view of the world because of one man's desire to hold a smaller and peaceful and friendly neighbor under his thumb. And it's, it's really gut-wrenching to see all those, you know, all the, uh, the scenes, all the pictures that we see um, on television and, and in many uh, news portals. So I took, uh, I took to studying this poor nation's anthem and, 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 and see what I can learn from this, from this people and to also somehow in my own small way to, uh, you know, to make, have myself be in solidarity in some, uh, in some small ways with this poor, struggling people. And I discovered a people with a deep desire for a land to call their own through centuries of oppression, of domination by a larger culture that surrounds them. In the slow and sad cadence of their anthem, I could sense their yearning, their pain and their yearning to live in a, in a land in peace among themselves and with their neighbors. I want to sing uh, the, their anthem in solidarity with them uh, this morning. I, I, and and it, it's something that has been translated to, uh, to English. And so it doesn't really quite, I, I don't know any, I, I, I can't speak Slavic, Ukrainian or whatever it is, Russian or whatever it is. And so I found this, um, this um, English translation of it. So I'm going to give it a try today, okay, and, and, and see, and see um, if, if, if it makes sense. Ukraine's freedom has not yet perished, nor has her glory upon us, fellow Ukrainians. Fate shall smile once more. Our enemies will vanish like dew in the sun. And we too shall reign, brothers, in a free land of our own. We'll lay down our souls and bodies to attain our freedom and we'll show that we brothers are of the Cossack nation. We'll lay down our souls and bodies to attain our freedom. And we'll show that we brothers are of the Cossack nation. I mean... You listen to that song, and you could almost feel like, you know, they could be like us. They're no different than any of us wanting to have freedom in their own land, in peace with their neighbors and in peace among themselves. And, you know, this type of thing is really biblical in nature, in a sense, because the Ukrainian story unfolds much like the story of all of us, of every nation of the world, and especially, you know, come to think of it, of the Jews themselves. 
of freedom and peace that eluded their peoples for centuries. It is like a saga, a biblical a saga of biblical with biblical overtones. We can clearly see in it the tone, in its tone, the cadence, the sad cadence of their sad history. Some years ago, my kids and I memorized another anthem, another national anthem, and this is this one is 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 uh, the uh, uh, the Jewish national anthem, um, uh, Brian. I'm not sure if you, do, if you, if you know it yourself. <laughs> I don't know. It's just something that I like to, I like to do. And, so, and one year, and my, you know, when we were still homeschooling the kids, um, uh, one, in, in, in one of their homeschooling class, um, we went ahead and um, we panned out all across the world and different, different um, uh, students memorized or did a certain thing from other countries. And we decided to do this one thing, and that is to memorize Israel's national anthem in their homeschooling class. And it was a very revealing uh, exercise for all of us, for me anyway. Once again, I'm going to try to sing this song, and it's going to be a little bit sad. It, you know, most of the anthems that you would find in the world are marches and, and they're very you know they're very rhythmic and it makes you want to just go march on and, and to do something for your people this one is not like that it is a sad song it is almost like a dirge and it's a very sad and uh, the tone of it is so sad that you could just feel the pain of the people that's been looking for a land to call their own for over 2,000 years and um the title of the song of their, of their anthem is Hatikva, the hope. And I'm going to sing again. I'm going to try to sing this song or this anthem. In Hebrew this time with the, uh, uh, with the, uh, the um, English translation right there in front of you. Kol od Nefesh Yehudi homia Ulfate Mitrach Kadima Ayin Lesion Sophia Od Lord Vatikvatenu Hatikva Bachnot Alpaim Liotam Hof Shi Bearzenu Eretz Sion Yerushalayim Liotam Hofshi Bearzenu Eretz Sion Yerushalayim I tremble because it, it, you know, I, I, I cannot sing this song without feeling the pain of the history of its people. The pain of wanting to live in their own land. And you know, knowing our own scripture, we are accustomed to hearing about Abraham and about his own yearning for a land to call his own. Abraham, the faithful 
Abraham, the, 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 the friend of God, yearning for a land to call one's own. It's not just Abraham's yearning. It is our, it's every human person, human, human desire. Down to owning your own house, despite the big mortgages that you have to pay every mortgage, you have to pay every single month. To have our children live in peace in our own home, in our own homeland. Which is what makes God's call of Abraham here in, in, in uh, Genesis chapter 15 even so much more unusual. It is unusual because God calls Abraham not to stay in his, home, in his own land where he had been born, where he was raised up, where he is raising his family, where he has made a fortune for himself. What is so unusual about Abraham's call from God is that God told him to leave his land. To go far away from it. And if we go, to, go back to Genesis chapter 12, for example, it will tell you, God will list, you know, he says, leave your country, your people, your family, your, your household, and go to a land that I will show you. It is anything, it, it, it is contrary to, to, you know, it seems like it is contrary to every human desire to stay in his own or her own land. And to, and, and to spend his lifetime wandering uh, in a foreign land as a wanderer in a land that is not his own. And three times Abraham's li- in, in, in Abraham's lifetime, God promises him a land that is going to be his own and tells him that every piece of land on which his feet will walk will become his. And by extension, he promises every piece of land on which his descendants will walk will be theirs as well. It isn't a promise of conquest, of subjugation, which has been misunderstood by some, like what today unfortunately is happening in Russia what Russia is doing to Ukraine. It is a promise far better than that, far larger than anything even Abraham could have even understood in his day. Go back with me to that text in in Genesis chapter 15. And we will see in that text um, the promise of God. It is a promise for, for a humanity united under the sovereignty of God and by extension to those of us today who are looking back in Scripture, uh, we would say by extension to those who believe in Jesus Christ. For all the children of the world, according to our Scripture, according to the word, the word of God, all the children of the world are children of Abraham by faith. God's big promises to Abraham hinges on one thing. In those, in those days, Abraham could not even bring himself to, you know, he struggled. He struggled to believe this promise. And by the way, by the way, we are accustomed also of saying among, among ourselves that, and Paul even makes mention of this, that Abraham, that God did not wait for Abraham to deserve the promises that he got. He just gave the promise, the promises out of the goodness of his heart. And what is the only way in God's eyes to, to accept a promise or accept a gift? It is to believe it by faith. And so Abraham, despite of his struggling to accept or to, to wrap his mind around this promise, 
How in the world could I, you know, could you even begin to say to me, Lord, that I will own all of this, all of this land and beyond, when I don't even have a child of my own? And so we find at the very beginning of Genesis chapter 15, you know, this struggle in the, in, in the, in the eyes and the mind of, of, of Abraham, you know, transpiring even as, even as uh, God um, seeks to make an agreement with him, an agreement that is based on a, on a solid relationship between he and Abraham. Verse, chapter 15, verse 1 tells, says these words. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram, and Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my house, household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And so began this storied life of Abraham. When he believed, according to our text, he believed the word of God despite of the fact that he could, not, he, he could not bring his mind, he could not wrap his mind around the, God's words. Despite of that, he trusted the person himself, even if he could not understand everything that he was saying. And so we find these words going on, uh, starting with uh, verse 6. Let's go, let's, let's, let's continue with verse 5. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And then this classic, classic verse that we know so very well, it says, and he believed the Lord and he counted it for him as righteousness. And so begins the story of the man of faith Abraham, through whom the Lord, our God, chose to reclaim the entire of humanity, including you and me. I came across an old song, an old song which was a, an anti-war song that was sung by somebody very famous. Um, those of you who were uh, like me, uh, a teenager in the, in the mid-80s, you would probably know this song. Uh, it was sung or composed and sung by by Sting. And um, he composed this in the early 1980s, he says, when the Cold War was still raging. Some of you, or many of us, could still, uh, you know, uh, probably remember those chilling days when these two world powers fought without fighting a hot war. Sting said that he rarely sung this song since the end of the Cold War. Uh, because he thought that, it, you know, it was irrelevant. It, you know, it's done its share of, you know, protests. And now, you know, it's, the world has moved on. Until two weeks or three weeks ago, when this war broke out in that part of the world, in Eastern Europe. And Sting tells of what inspired him to write this song. He, he tells the story of how a friend of his, uh, who's, you know, um, an engineer in MIT, uh, he invented a device, he said, that in those days was, you know, a pretty special device. And, and it was a device that could hack into the Soviet satellites. Um, 
you know, in, in, in his day. And so they ended up um, testing it out one Saturday night in New York. And so they, he said, we climb up the, to, you know, uh, the top uh, floor of a tall building there in New York, and we uh, you know, switched this device on. And, 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 and sure enough, he said, we were able to start watching Soviet TV. Saturday night in New York, Sunday morning in Moscow. So, Sunday morning in Moscow, and of course, um, I, I don't know, these days my kids are, have grown up now, so we don't normally turn on our TV Sunday morning for the kids, you know, kids programming. But I would imagine that there's still quite a bit of kids programming on Sunday mornings, right? Along with televangelists, right? Um, so, that's what they saw. Um, not the televangelists in Moscow, but children's programming. Sunday morning in Moscow, he and his friend, you know, were watching Saturday night in New York, um, children's programming in Moscow. Um, and then, but you know, something, something uh, clicked um, when Sting realized, you know, that you know, all the propaganda, all the things that, you know, we had all grown up, including myself growing up in another country, about these Soviets, you know, 10 feet tall, mighty, you know, you know and, and, and so on and so forth, and uh, like, like robots and, and, and so on and so forth. And Sting was surprised with what he saw. Because what he saw was children's programming, which was very well done and with a good moral message. And Sting then realized that even the Russians are as humans as we all are. They too, he said, love their children. And so with that experience, on top of that you know, tall building in New York that, that night, the seed of the song called, he, he named Russians, uh, uh, was born. And I'm not going to sing it to you again. Three songs in one sermon, that's too much. I can't sing it anyway. It's, it's very, it's very, I mean, it's, it's, I, I want you to listen to the words of it though. And if you know the song from when you were a teenager, then uh, you can just go ahead and quietly hum it to yourself. But here's what it says. In Europe and America, there's a growing feeling of hysteria, conditioned to respond to all the threats in the rhetorical speeches of the Soviets. Mr. Khrushchev said, we will bury you. I don't subscribe to this point of view. I'd be, it'd be such an ignorant thing to do if the Russians love their children too. How can I save my little boy from Oppenheimer's deadly toy? There is no monopoly on common sense on either side of the political fence. And then this chorus blows me away. I need to, okay, I'm not doing a good job clicking here. We share the same biology, regardless of ideology. Believe me when I say to you, I hope the Russians love their children too. And then he goes on, there is no historical precedent to put the words in the mouth of the president. There's no such thing as a winnable war. It's a lie we don't believe anymore. Mr. Reagan says, we will protect you. I don't subscribe to this point of view. Believe me when I say to you, I hope the Russians love their children too. And then he, he repeats this uh, refrain. We share the same biology, 
regardless of ideology. But what might, might save us, me and you, is if the Russians love their children too. And what he saw, he said that day, or that night in New York, was that indeed the Russians love their children too. Just like we love our children too. We share the same humanity, a common humanity. A humanity that is being reclaimed by God in Jesus Christ, which he started when he called an old man who did not even have a son of his own and made great promises to him to reclaim the whole world for all humanity, for you and me. And so, Sting's plea for our common humanity strikes a chord to all of us. Yes, indeed, the Russians love their children too. And so do you. And so do, we, so, so do I. We all love our children and we want to have a good future for them. But you know, the Bible enlarges this story of Abraham, as we all know, because Abraham did not even understand what he was getting himself into really quite well, because of course he did not have the, you know, the, our advantage today, and our advantage is we're able to look back and know that our salvation is finished, has already been finished through Jesus Christ, and we know what the story of Abraham eventually became. The Bible enlarges Abraham's calling in that Abraham's children is no longer those children that are his children by blood, but children is everyone who, have, who carry the same faith in the promises of God as they are found in Jesus Christ. And I'm so happy to, for, for all of us to have seen that clip, video clip of Adventist World Radio. When you have people warring against each other, come together around the gospel of Jesus Christ and can find their unity and commonality of purpose in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Which is the vision that God gave Abraham that he probably did not understand to its full length and breadth and width. But although he did not understand, he accepted it by faith in the person who was making the promises to him. When we read and we study the, the words of, uh, I mean, the, the words of Genesis 15, inevitably we go forward in, in, in time. And we go to places like the book of Romans, where, uh, where Paul asserts that the Jew the one who is the descendant of Abraham is not one that is a descendant by birth, by physical birth, but the one who is a descendant by faith to those that believe in the promises of God as they had been fulfilled and are being fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 and 7 says it so well in these words. Just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons. And might I say also the sons and daughters of Abraham. That is to say that person that is seated beside you. Who comes from another country. I know there's somebody here from Romania. I come from the Philippines. Who else comes from another country. Another ethnicity. I am so glad 
that I'm so glad some of my friends here from the Philippines as well are here today. We're all sons and daughters of Abraham. Nothing separates us. Nothing should separate us. No ideology. No ethnicity. Because in Jesus Christ, we are one. Abraham did not know the full extent of what he was saying yes to. But he said yes to it. Because that what, that's what faith is. You accept the promises of God even if you do not understand quite well how he's going to bring it about. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. That's you and me. And so then, by extension, the land that is being promised us is not nothing akin to these nationalistic land grabbing or whatever it is that some countries are doing to others and some peoples are doing to others. We do not want to be part of that. And whenever it is happening before our eyes, we say something about it. And we identify ourselves with those who are suffering. And this whole earth, not just our beautiful country here, the whole earth will be our land because the whole earth is being reclaimed by God in Jesus Christ through the gospel that is being preached throughout all the world, the gospel that you and me believe in and subscribe to. And so the whole earth will be our land and all of God's children or all of Abraham's children, all of us, to the exclusion of no one, will be part of that land. We shall all live together in peace with our neighbors, for God will reign over the, 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 the whole earth made new. For God will reign over the whole earth made new. And yes, today it is happening in Russia and in Ukraine. And can I say this with all my heart? Russia will not feel the need to subjugate Ukraine in that new heaven and a new earth. And the Russian children will live in peace with, the, with their Ukrainian neighbors. And we can extend that in so many different ways, not just what's happening over there, but also what's happening here in our own country in so many different ways. We should not let anything divide us. We should not let ideology divide us. We are all children of God. The vision of the new heaven and the new earth is best reflected in the book of Revelation, of course, Revelation 21, and to this text as well, in Revelation 22, where we are about to go. But in Revelation 21, we find those words that start the chapter when it says, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. That is the vision for our future. And might I say that that future starts now, here and now. But here's what Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 through 5 says to all of us. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. 
through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. What a beautiful vision of the future. But this is not, as Adventists, sometimes we put this too far into the future. After the 1,000 years, we say, no, that future begins where we sit. The future begins where we live, where we work. Wherever we find ourselves in this world, this future can be a reality today. It may not be a reality in all its entirety, 100% until Jesus comes. But to the extent that we're able to make it as close to it as possible with the guidance and the power of the Holy Spirit, let's do it. And to be part of this fulfillment of the promises that God made to Abraham here and now. And in that context, we can say, yes, the Russian children and the Ukrainian children will live in peace with each other. Not then, but now. And one will forgive the other. And their common pain will be healed completely. And so we say today, stop the war and let us build peace amongst each other today in Jesus' name. Father God, thank you for being with us here today. Thank you for the reminders from your word. Continue to be with us, Lord, as we still belong in this world that is so filled with hatred, pain, wars. Help us to take courage and not give up, O oh God, to be your, your light, your salt to the world and to tell the world that there is indeed a new kingdom that exists here and it exists among us. In Jesus' name, amen.